Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives, and check us out on Twitter at Radio Detectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. I also want to go ahead and highlight our other podcast, and today I'm highlighting Public Domain Video Theater. It's the video companion to this podcast. Twice a month, we bring you public domain television shows and movies. You can check these out on YouTube, our our YouTube channel, or at videotheater.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time to start another week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Serial. Now, as usual, we will be playing the first two episodes today and the rest on Friday. So, if you are minded to listen to all of the episodes in a single sitting, then I would encourage you to press pause now and then return to this on Friday and listen to them all together at the same time. But now, from September 24th and 25th of 1956, here is the Meg's Palace Matter Episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Johnny. I was afraid you might be away for the weekend. Who's that? Byron Kay at Intercoastal Maritime and Life. Oh, hello, Byron. How are things in Boston? In Boston, fine. In Cod Harbor, terrible. Who's this? Meg McCarthy, who runs an eating place there at the harbor. Murder, mayhem, arson, or what? Right now, it's or what. But if you don't do something, and fast, it may be all three... Can you come over and see me? Now, bye? I know it's Saturday afternoon, Johnny, but this needs fast action, will you? Bye. Goodbye. No, bye. Listen, you... Dolly, you're a sucker. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Cod Harbor, Massachusetts. To the Intercoastal Maritime and Life Insurance Company. Following is an accounting of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Meg's Palace matter. Expense account item one, $7.30. Cab from my apartment, train fare and incidentals to Boston. Byron Key was a good insurance broker, and I figured he wouldn't have called me over a weekend unless it was pretty important. Get right to the point, Johnny. Insurance on the palace is only for $15,000. Wait a minute, Bye. What is this palace? A fishing boat? No, it's what Meg McCarthy calls a restaurant right down on the dock. Cod Harvey, you say? That's right. Well, what seems to be the trouble over there that couldn't wait till after the weekend? Well, like I told you, this character, Meg McCarthy, runs a so-called restaurant down on the docks, the palace. I sold her 15000 insurance on it. And, Johnny, it's uh, quite a place. What do you mean by that? Uh... We also carry 25,000 straight life insurance on Meg herself. Separate policy, of course. Which one are you worried about, Pi? Both, I think. Huh? Matter of fact, the more I think about it, the gladder I am that she didn't fall for my pitch when I tried to get her to increase the coverage on the cafe. If she had, our necks would really be out. What's the matter? Isn't it worth 15,000 now? Oh, sure, at least. Even if it doesn't look it. 
You know, the stoves, equipment, and all that sort of stuff are in the coverage, too. Then I'm afraid I don't see what you... The thing is this, Johnny. Meg has been threatened. By whom? How? Who knows? Anyhow, she's notified me that there have been a couple of attempts to set fire to her place. Since she lives upstairs in it, that means danger to her own life, too. Uh And the whole 40,000 is at stake. Yes. Will you go up there right away and see what you can do? Today? Tomorrow? Sunday? Look, maybe you can get in some fishing. I understand you're quite a fisherman. Oh, now, the last three times I was promised fishing while working on a case, all I did was cut bait. Proposition. If you don't get in at least a full day's fishing trip while you're up there, I'll double whatever you line up on your expense account. Uh, sounds mighty tempting. How about it, Johnny? Okay, bye. You asked for it. Item 2, 1195, transportation back to Hartford, then on to Cod Harbor the next morning. Fine way to spend a nice warm Sunday. Nice place, too, if you lost your sense of smell. There were two or three dozen fishing boats of all shapes and sizes tied up at the long dock and piers that comprised the important part of the village. For housing, there was a scattering of weather-beaten shacks, one store. Meg's Palace turned out to be the biggest, most disreputable-looking of the dockside eating places, and since there was a clothes sign in the front door, I went around to the back. Excuse me, Miss McCarthy. Ain't he a darling? Ain't he the sweetest man you ever did see? Huh? The man you just threw out of here? Not only comes in to apologize, but brings the money to pay for the damage his pranking boys done last night when they were celebrating the big catch they made. Lovely bunch of lads they are, too, every one of them. As loyal to Willie Boy. Now, who the devil are you? And what's the big idea of barging in here on a Sunday when anybody with eyes in his stupid head can see that the place is closed oh, up? Oh, no, With your eyes so blind in your head, you couldn't see the sign out front. I saw it. And sneaking in here the back way this way. Who do you think you are? Well, I wasn't Now, sneaking. get out and leave a lady alone of a Sunday. Go on! Don't get tough with me, Meg McCarthy. Huh? Just put down that pot and shut up for a minute while I tell you why I'm here. Put it down! Shades of me, dear departed, overbearing husband. Yes, sir. After all, I should have noticed you're a gent standing by the way you done while me and Bill was at its helter and skelter. Oh, but he's a dear one, ain't he? Yeah, well, at this point, I wouldn't know. But from what I saw a minute ago... Oh, don't let that fool you, dearie. We're in love, me and Willie boy. Ain't he a living doll? Meg. A fine, fine husband. He's going to make me, too. 
That's why I made him the beneficiary of my life insurance policy. That's exactly what I want to talk to you about. Then go ahead and talk. What's stopping you standing there like a banty rooster that doesn't know... Will you yet? shut up? Oh, well, of course I will, dearie. And I'm begging your humble pardon. But if there's anything I hate, it's a lily-livered man that has... Meg! A... Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Then listen. Yes, sir. My name is Dollar, Johnny Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. Insurance investigator. Well, in spite and despite of your pretty clothes and pleasing manner, I don't want any of already got. No, that. no, you don't understand. I've Maggie. got all I can have. I'm little. just... And from the looks of things, these past couple of... Will you of shut the... up a minute? Of course, dearie. I'm sorry. You call the insurance company, Mr. Byron Kay, an intercoastal oh, maritime. yes, dear little pasty-faced Byron boy. Why, do you know if he'd had half the guts and get of a he-man, he would have sold me twice the insurance he did? Well, that's not quite the way he told it to me. Well, so you... it's the way I'm telling it to you. Oh, what am I going to do, darling, if they wreck my place the way they're trying? Oh, this Willie boy, as you call him, who was just in here? That's effeminate. What? He's Captain Billy Morgan, Bill to you and any man what calls him oh, Willie. Oh, put it down, will you? And stop yapping your head off and answer my question. Yes, sir. Now, is Captain Bill Morgan one of the people you suspect of trying to wreck this ugly-looking hash house? Oh, I love you, boy. You talk like a real sweet, overbearing maid. Then answer my question. Well, of course he ain't. Willie boy wouldn't hurt me any more than I'd touch a hair of his pretty head if he had a hair on top of it. All right, then who? Johnny boy, there's a dozen of them like to see Meg's palace burned to the ground. Blast the black thieving soul. Why? Because I give them the best and the most food in the harbor. That's what the man gets here. So what happens to the silver plate in Ernie's manor house and Irving's chop suey joint? Well, I'm putting them out of business, that's what. So you think they're trying to put you out of business? Think it, I know it. That's why I telephoned that sniveling, lop-eared Byron Kay to send somebody down here and make them stop it before he had to pay off a lot of insurance on it and maybe even on me. Why else do you think? There have been some attempts to set the place on fire, I understand. Why else do you think a lady like myself would take to sleeping on the bar down here every night, getting a creek and my sacred lily up? But I'm getting sick and fed up with it. I don't know that I blame you. Now, look, this will you... trying to keep awake all night every night to keep them from burning it out from under me and me, whether it's making a fair shadow of me for myself out of me, I'm losing me strength. But not your I... aim. Look, while we talk, I'll help you clear up some of this. Well, the devil you will. It's not the man's job, especially since she ain't romantically inclined towards me. But you would let Bill Morgan clean up for you, huh? Well, he was the cause of it, wasn't he? So if he and his boys don't show up before nightfall and take care of it, so help me, I'll keelhaul them every one. Besides, if he's going to be me old man when the fishing season's done, he's got to know how to keep in line. Now. Now. You say there are people you suspect are trying to fire this building. Three. All right, three. Now, who are they? The owners of the other restaurants here on the dock? Aye. First, there's Clem Harris, what runs the silver plate. Oh, and a sly one he is. Yeah, what do you mean? He's too soft and polite and soft-spoke. Me, I never trust a man unless he talks up like a man. Well, I guess that's why I like you, dear. Uh -huh. Well, who are the others? Ernie Turner at the Manor House Cafe. Oh, yeah. Is that the big place down at the other end? What? The little hole in the wall next to the bait stand. And half the time the customers don't know whether they're getting bad food or thawed out bait. And the third one. Yeah? Ha! <laughs> it's that stubborn mule that runs Irving's chop suey joint. Irving who? What's his last name? Irving? His name's Tony. His name... Now, wait a minute, will you please? Sure. Tony Fortino, Italian. 
Then why has it got... Why a chop suey place? Anybody has eyes, he would have saw how the sign was changed. First, the Chinese had it with chop suey. Yeah. Then came Irving with kosher, so he added his name to it, and now it's Tony. Well, then why... Only there wasn't any more room left on the sign, so stop complaining. <sighs> okay, Meg, you win. But have you any specific reason to suspect any one of them? One of them? I suspect them all, the dirty conniving. Why? Because they're a dirty conniving... I'll tell you why. Because they won't sell out to me. Because oh. they all three keep open competing with me, and that's three against one, so they're a dirty all right, conniving. All right, but... you said that. Well, aren't they? How would All they right. Be? Yes, sir. I, uh... I love it when you speak to me that way, Johnny. Boy. So you said. Now, I asked you if you have any specific reason for suspecting any one or all of them. Well, of course I have, on account of the threats they sent How do you know they sent them? Because I suspect them, that's why. And what happens three times they try to set fire Meg, to my lock? Meg, you don't have one bit of actual evidence against any of them, do you? Well... Well, do you? No. But I suspect the dirty kid Hold I've it, been... please. Are you sure those fires weren't accidental? Accidental? Well, with all the dirt and grease you leave around this In shack. the middle of the night with a stove fire banked like I've been doing it for 20 years and with all the fires starting outside where they have no business. Look, Johnny boy, I'll show you where they started outside. Well, now that's a good idea because so far I confess I can't get very much alarmed over what's no, happened. Who the... Don't the whole town know I'm closed on Sundays? Hello, and what kind of a blubber-headed income poop would be calling Meg's Palace on a Sunday when everybody knows... I want Johnny Dollar. Huh? Oh, of course. The gentleman's right here. It's for you, Johnny boy. Oh? Hello, Johnny Dollar. We know why you're here, Dollar. Oh, yeah? Who's we? But you won't be here long, understand? Well, now, that's a matter of opinion, isn't it? Either you go quiet the way you came, or you go in a long wooden box. Get it? What is it, Johnny boy? Come on, Meg. Let's get to work. Johnny Dollar. Byron Kay in Boston, Johnny. Hi. The operator had quite a time locating you. I don't see why I'm in the only available room for rent here in Cod Harbor. Huh? Well, she said she was ringing Meg's Palace Restaurant. That's where I am. Room's right above the place. Well, tell me, have you found out whether it's true somebody's trying to burn up that joint and put Meg out of business? Not only that, Bye, but whoever's behind the attempts to get her out of the way has threatened to get me. Hey. Hey, you want some help? Yeah. Yeah, I want you to send me something by truck as soon as possible. Huh? And I want to be sure it arrives here quietly at night so that nobody in this little fishing village knows it arrives. Holy smoke, what? Listen carefully, Bye, and I'll tell you. I want you to send me six From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Cod Harbor, Massachusetts, to the Intercoastal Maritime and Life Insurance Company, Boston. Assignment... The Meg's Palace Matter. Expense account continued. Expense account item... Well, since you're paying for and sending that batch of fire extinguishers, Byron, I can hardly charge them to my expense account, can I? But I have a sneaking suspicion they might be mighty important. A cursory inspection of this tiny fishing community has revealed no sign of a firehouse. Nothing, in fact, but some hose connections for cleaning off the docks. 
And after the threats Meg McCarthy has received, plus a couple of attempts to fire up this disreputable-looking establishment of hers, well, I guess I still have some Boy Scout blood in my veins. In view of the threat to me, I figured it might be a good idea to consult the local authorities. I learned a long time ago that it's a good plan to enlist their cooperation when working in a strange small community. Inquiries from some of the fishermen mending their nets spread out in the long wharf led me to a small, shabby, unmarked frame shack that stood about a block away from the waterfront. Hey, come in, come in. Mr. Beasley? That's right. Well, what's your name? Johnny Dollar. Dollar, hmm? Okay, what do you want? Well, uh, you're the chief of police, I understand. Acting chief of police? Oh, Acting mayor, too, an acting judge, acting town clerk, acting just about anything else you could want. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, I don't know why not. Officially, I guess Cod Harbor is just a part of Barnesboro, a couple of miles inland. We're so small, and we're not incorporated like most towns, so we just have to be kind of self-sufficient under ourselves. You see what I mean? And you know something? It works out pretty good. Yeah, well, I guess it's as chief, uh, as acting chief of police that I've come to see you. Yeah, what about? The Meg's Palace Cafe. Ah, you mean you take any stock in Meg's talk about somebody threatening to burn up that cockroach-loaded dump she calls a restaurant? I'm representing the insurance company that holds $15,000 insurance on it. Never come to your mind, Mr. Dollar, that Meg, her own self, might have set the fires to collect that insurance? And call for help as a cover-up? Yeah, yeah, the thought has entered my mind. Just crazy enough to do a thing like that, too. Hasn't she been to you for help? She told me. Well, what sort of evidence, one way or another, have you turned up? Dollar, I haven't looked for any. Yeah, what? The less I meddle in their affairs, the less trouble I'll have with the folks here in Cod Harbor. Oh, hey, now, wait a minute. For a mayor and police chief and so on, you don't seem to be very concerned about these people of yours. So maybe I'm not. What's the difference? Well, look here, if you... Yeah, you know, unless something serious happened, like a murder or... Or, or a fire that destroyed Meg's palace and maybe half the docks? Don't you think that sort of thing is serious? Well, yeah, if it happens. Then I'd probably have to call in the regular appointed authorities over to Barnesboro. But there hasn't been any fire yet. Not any real one. So why get your dander up? Well, I'll be... Look, with so little concern about the place, how did you ever get all those jobs? <laughs> Easy. Lost my schooner out on the banks last fall. So for want of something better, I just took it. You took them all. Why not? The town feeds and bores me, and I like it. So... Real soft, lazy, good-for-nothing life, huh? Sure. Now, why don't you be a good boy, Dollar, and leave things be around here? Stop wasting my time. Well, just let me take enough of your valuable time to ask a couple of questions. Sure. Go ahead. No harm in asking. I want to know about some of the people here in Cod Harbor. Like who? Clem Harris, for one. Careful, boy. That's my cousin. Oh. Who else? Ernie Turner and Tony Fortino. Oh, Account of them's the three that run the other dirty bites along the docks, huh? Yeah. I'd like a rundown on all three of them. Easy. Yeah? Yeah. Go talk to them. Oh, now, wait a minute. The easiest way I know of for you to find out all about them. Oh, you're a lot of help. Dollar, like I said, we're kind of self-sufficient under ourselves around here. We like it that way. And that's just another way of saying we don't like strangers coming here and messing around in our affairs. <laughs> Well, that was pretty definitely that. It was getting quite late, and I decided I'd better postpone any interviews with Meg's business rivals until the following morning. 
Besides, as I walked along the wharf, I noticed that they were closed. Then I remembered somebody else I wanted to talk to, the beneficiary of Meg McCarthy's life insurance policy, the master of the fishing boat, Lily Ann, Captain Billy Morgan. But the Lily Ann, tied up at her berth, was dark and empty. Well, if anyone knew where Captain Billy was, it'd be Meg herself. So I walked the boards back to Meg's palace. What greeted me as I opened the back door of the place was truly a sight to behold. Over there with that hole, just come to my lovely. Over there in the corner, can't you see? What's the matter with your blinking eyeball? Standing in the center of the floor, brandishing a moth-eaten feather duster as if it were a club, stood Captain Billy Morgan. Shouting orders to three men who were cleaning up the mess of pots and pans and broken crockery left over from Meg McCarthy's temper tantrum of a short while earlier when she belabored this same Captain Billy for a little celebration he and his crew had had in their place the night before. Belabored? It looked like she must have thrown one of everything in the joint at him. Bill! Hey, Captain Billy! Hey! Hey! Oh, it's you, huh? I seen you here earlier today when Meg threw me out. Looks to me like you weren't all she threw. Yes, sir. Oh, she's a living doll. See, ain't you the insurance hand? She telephoned to help her find out who's trying to burn her out of here. Her name's uh, Johnny Dollar, ain't it? Yeah, that's right. Captain, I'd like to ask you a favor. Charlie, you yellow-bellied, bug-eyed, bandy-wasted... Don't throw that trash in the corner. What's the matter with you? Sorry, Mr. Dollar, but I guess the boys don't like working at night when they got to be up and aboard Lily Ann and headed out for the fishing banks by 3 a.m. in the morning. Don't blame him. We couldn't leave Meg's place in a mess like this, now could we? After all, uh, she's going to have to serve us coffee and sinkers before we go. Where is she? Upstairs. Has been for the last hour. In her room? Uh, in that room she's renting out to you. Figured like maybe you could stand some cleaning up and debugging, I guess. You know something? <laughs> she figured right. Avast there with the mop all here. I'll ring it around your bloody neck. And swab off them tables while you're at it. Can't you see the mess you left on them? Oh, what can I do for you, Mr. Dollar? Well, look, why don't you and I go into the kitchen, Captain, where we can hear ourselves think? Well, sure, why not? All right, now you keep out at your sow-building lunkheads. And if the joint ain't clean and tidy when I come back, I'll blast you all over the lease cuppers. Yeah. <laughs> Real fine bunch of boys I got there, ain't they? I'll bite, are they? You bet your sweet living life they are. Finest crew on any boat in the harbor. Charlie Oley and Montgomery. Now, uh, what was it you wanted, Mr. Dollar? You found out anything about who's causing all the worries to my lover girl? Not very much, yet. Well, I hope you do. Do you? Huh? I don't get you. I'm going to be honest with you. Lay all the cards right on the table. Well, that's the only way I always say. All right. I'm just as concerned about Meg herself as I am about this cafe. Sure you are. Me too. And whether you like it or not, I have to consider the fact that you are the beneficiary of Meg's $25,000 life insurance policy. If anything were to happen to her... Why, sure, I see what you mean. You bet your life I see what you mean. Why, you blasted, land-loving son of a dirty, right, yellow sculpin. Take it easy, Captain. Take, take it, it easy. easy. You Pipe try down. to say I hurt one single hair, Meg McCut. 
Dollar, you may crash like that. I'll swab the decks with that ornery hide of yours and feed you. Put him up. Put him up, Dollar. You want to talk to me I like that? I said right down, Captain. Let's talk sense a minute. Talk sense, yeah, but don't you go implicating that I... I didn't imply a thing yet. Well, I warn you, you just don't. Just a minute there, Pat. Captain Billy Morgan. Oh, oh, just Meg, a minute. I, uh, what do you think you're talking to like that, the guest of me humble Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Meg, darling, but he and was And why ain't like you in there helping those poor boys of yours with the cleaning up? Well, but they, they're almost finished up, Meg, me darling. Besides, they, unless you ought to get out of here and get your sleep, you'll not be worth your salt on the boat tomorrow. Meg, I'd like I, to talk to Captain Billy. Tomorrow. Go out in the boat with him in the morning and you'll all have plenty of time to talk. Well, I want to talk Willie to him boy, now. get uh, out with them. Go on. Oh, uh, yes, my dear. And, uh, I'll see you at the dock at three in the morning. Well, now, wait a minute. Get, I... get, yo! Also, Johnny boy, you go out with him. It'll give me a chance to fix your room up real nice for you like it should be for a gentleman <laughs> like yourself. Okay, Meg. Come to think of it, I was promised a fishing trip on this case. Anyways, I'll not be worrying about any fires tonight with you staying here. So if you don't mind, I'll retire to my bed and see you at breakfast time. Okay. Maybe I can help Billy's crew finish cleaning up in there. Oh, don't you lift a finger. It was a twilly boy I thought them plates and things so him and his crew can clean it up. Good night, Johnny boy. There's food in the icebox and your bed's all made and you're ready to retire. I stood there for a moment, smiling after her. Then I decided I'd take her advice that instead of helping the men clean up the cafe, I'd get a breath of fresh air before hitting the sack. The moon was just a thin sliver in the eastern sky and the stars twinkled merrily in the broad, clear expanse overhead. The cottages of the peaceful little fishing village were dark. Along the docks at the waterfront, the fishing boats playfully nudged each other as they slowly and quietly swung and rolled on the gently heaving water. Their masts and rigging formed an intricate, ever-changing pattern against the occasional beam from the lighthouse and the point as it lazily swept across the night. Somewhere, far out on the landward breeze, an occasional seabird called. It was all so peaceful and serene that I couldn't help wondering how trouble could ever come to a... Then I saw it. A slight movement at the front corner of the old building. A silhouette hunched over, tensely watching the front door, waiting. But waiting for whom? Slowly, as quietly as possible, I crept up on whoever it was, hoping in the dim light to recognize him or her before I was discovered. Softly, I passed the side door. I could still hear the members of the crew inside of their work. But in my concentration on the person out front, I was too slow in my reaction when that side door suddenly opened behind me. Huh? What? Who are you? Oh, no, you... Oh... Very suddenly, it got very dark. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, a trip to sea on the Lily Ann that starts out like an ordinary fishing trip. But somewhere on board lurks a man with murder in his heart. And his next intended victim, me. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, 
who also wrote this week's story. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. This is one of my favorite serials. This is a story where you can just feel the fun. Virginia Gregg is just letting loose in this script and playing one of the biggest characters she's ever played, at least on radio. I also think this had to be fun to write. And so you've got all of these really big, over-the-top characters just having at it, and at the same time, you still have an interesting plot going on with Mag's palace imperiled, and Johnny's having a hard time figuring out how he's going to defend it. So it's a story where they're having a lot of fun, but it's not getting in the way of also being a good mystery case, which I think is a challenge with so many of the comedic episodes. We'll get to hear how it plays out in the final parts on Friday. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and David had a couple of interesting comments on Facebook. First ties into the Crystal Lake matter. Now, those who might not recall, I had noted, even though I'm not a horror fan, that I was aware that the name of the setting of Friday the 13th was Crystal Lake. And a listener also pointed out that one of the characters, the suspects in the Crystal Lake matter were all men named Bill, that one of those was Bill Cullen, which was also the name of a popular game show host and a panel on the TV program, I've Got a Secret. And David had uh, an interesting observation on that point and then also a comment on the confidential matter. He writes, just a quick follow-up on the listener comments on the use of the name Bill Cullen in the Camp Crystal Lake matter. Cullen was also a regular panelist on the show I've Got a Secret alongside the lovely Betsy Palmer, who would eventually become most famous for starring in the original Friday the 13th. Obviously a coincidence, but it amused me. Well, David, as well it should. That is a really interesting coincidence. Appreciate that. And then he wrote, As for this week's serial, it occurred to me that the whole situation might have been avoided if Johnny's friend, desperate for female attention, had just realized that his secretary was in love with him. I kind of wish they'd loop back 
to that subplot somehow at the end. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate the comment on that, David. And it's a really interesting point. As I mentioned, The Confidential Matter was adapted from a John Lund story. This was the Ben Bryson Matter. And the idea of Ben Bryson having a secretary who was secretly in love with him was not actually part of that story. It was something added to the serial by Les Crutchfield. I actually think that it serves to make the story of the confidential matter a bit more tragic as well as more realistic. Because when you have the sort of self-esteem issues and insecurities, it's not necessarily based on reality. But those sort of things can blind you to opportunities and to the fact that there are people who very well could care for you if you gave them the chance. It would have been interesting if they could have incorporated that into later parts of the story, but given the sort of plot outline, I don't know if there was a way to do it that wouldn't have been incredibly clumsy. But it definitely would have been nice if they could have found a way to work it in. Well, now I want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Garrick. Garrick has been one of our Patreon supporters since January 2018, currently supporting the podcast at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Garrick. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We'll be back on Friday with the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial. But join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment where... Oh, there's the entrance to the estate up ahead, Steve. Uh, The big gates on the left. Hey, looks like quite a layout. (laughs) Oh, it is. Everything but gold doorknobs. Hmm. I wonder where the gatekeeper is. Is it locked? Not usually. Well, allow me. Okay, Greg, come ahead. Hey, wait a minute, hold it. Car coming down from the house. Yeah, at a good clip, too. Well, looks like Henri's car, a little souped-up job. Oh, brother. Well, what do you know, the widow herself? Yeah, she always drive like that. Oh, so I understand. A real fiend on the road. She'd better slow down or she isn't going to make that curve. Yeah, she's really... Hey, she isn't going to make it. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.